9, verse 15. I'll read the text, pray, and you can be seated. Note the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I'm going to go back and read verse 15. But I want you to notice, in case you're wondering who he is speaking to, he reminds us in verse 18, talking to his little children. Notice this word in verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Father, we love you today and pray, God, that you'd help me. Help me to mind you. Help me to be led of the Holy Ghost. I pray, dear God, that everything that goes on today would go on to bring glory, benefit, honor, and praise to your name. Lord, I, I do thank you. Uh, Lord, I've got so much help tonight uh, just hearing the songs of Zion. I've got some help tonight, uh, Lord, from a young man who joined his sisters to sing. Uh, Lord, I've got some help by seeing folks come out on a Wednesday and Lord, if you would allow us for a little while, help me to feed the sheep. Help me, Lord, to feed the lambs. Help me, Lord, to be a vessel fit and meet for the master's use. Lord, I want to be a conduit that you preach through. I pray your will be accomplished. Save sinners, touch saints, stir our hearts, and get glory. And we'll thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help me for a little while tonight, I want to just preach for a little while on the, on the theme, on the a topic of little things. Notice the Bible said in verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. I remember one time I was preaching in a Bible conference and a preacher came up to me and he said, Preacher, we don't need preaching on things. And I, I remember the scripture uh, right here in our text came to my mind. And uh, Brother Randy, it's things that give me trouble. Hey, if anything needs to be warned or preached to little children, people of God, it's this things or this theme of things as it's indicated in the scripture. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, you say, preacher, my things are little. My things are, are just lingering. I, I remember reading in Isaiah, and uh, I believe Brother Childs uh, from Ambassador made us memorize that text over in Isaiah where he talks about holding your sin with a cart rope. And he says, little enough 
that you can have a cart rope to pull it behind. Uh, but it's big enough that you want to bring it in and pet it once in a while. Oh, I'm telling you, the Bible says not to love the world nor the things that are in the world. You see, there are some things, little problems that we need to be aware of. Uh, there are these little problems become lingering problems. They become large problems. I can say it like this. Uh, uh, there are big problems that come in little packages. I want you to think about this with me for just a little while. Hey, we're some little things that we need to be aware of or warned of. We'll deal in just a moment with some little things we need to be thankful of. And then with the Lord's help, we'll close tonight with some broken things that I'm glad that I resemble and I can identify with. Look for, for just a minute in, in your mind back to 1 Corinthians and chapter 7. You're welcome to turn back. It talks in the scripture, Brother Jared, about it being a shame to touch a woman before you marry. And I preached that to my Bible college men. I preached it to my young boys at the house. And I've tried to preach it to the church. I believe that little touch always leads to liberal touch. And a little touch is something that needs to be avoided. You say, preacher, that's the first thing that popped in your mind. It was because if you trace it back to the first mentioned principle, if you go back to the, the little thing that bothered Lot, I, I never see an altar in Lot's life except Abraham's. I, I never see him build an altar, but he's always praying Abraham with Abraham as far as we know. We don't know that he builds any altars of himself, but he did look, the Bible says in Acts or in Genesis 19 and in verse number 20. Uh, the, he got to a place uh, in, in Lot's life uh, that it started with just a little look uh, and he saw the well-watered plains of Jordan uh, and it reminded him of a little visit uh, that him and Abram had when they went down to Egypt. Uh, he came right back out of Egypt but Egypt didn't come out of him and so he saw those well-watered plains uh, as a place to raise cattle and not children and so he pitched his tent towards Sodom. It seemed like a little thing, Brother Jared. He said, well, I've seen some, I took a little glance and I've decided to linger and now that little problem has become a lingering problem. Every time he gets up in the morning, he sees Sodom. When he goes to bed, the last thing he sees, he pitched his tent towards it, so it's facing Sodom. He's seeing it in the morning and he's seeing it at night but it's not going to be long he's going to go from looking and from lingering until he'll go to living inside of Sodom it started with a look it started with a glance and then he lingered and then he's living now he's got a position of authority and power he's in the gate of this wicked city it started with a little look and then and it started with longing and started with living and now he's leaving but remember the only reason he's leaving is God has sent two angelic beings
hands and uh, they've both got two hands and one has grabbed a hold of Lot, one's grabbed a hold of Lot's wife, one's grabbed one daughter and the other's grabbed the other daughter. God will always give you just enough to get out from under judgment. He made a way. It's a picture of the rapture. Before the fire could fall, Lot had to be gone out. But notice what he said. He said in Genesis and 19 and in verse 20, he said there is a little city. He said in Genesis 19 and verse number 20, he said, let me go to a little city. He asked to be allowed to go to the city. He had told him to flee to the mountain. But Lot said, there's a little city. It's not that big. Let me go there. And so there was a little city that deceived Lot. He started with a little problem. He became a lingering problem. It became a living problem. It became a longing problem. And now he's leaving but he's leaving with mess and sin in his life. He is, according to the book of, in the New Testament, Peter, we find out that Lot was a righteous man. It's amazing if that text weren't in there, we'd say Lot was lost, but we know that it cost him his family. He didn't have a testimony. When he went to warn them about fire, he was this one that mocked. His testimony meant nothing. He had allowed some of of his children uh, to intermingle and marry with the wicked sodomites and when the divine visitors come he wanted to save face so much brother uh, Dwayne he was so ashamed of the place he was living and wanted to protect his guests that he was willing to give his virgin daughters to those wicked men he's not going to get the daddy of the year award can anybody say amen he has led his family there he has let them live there. He has let them linger there. And though they're all leaving, Lot's wife is going to look back and become a pillar of salt. And I, well, I don't have time. I'd like to do an autopsy. Amen. If the Lord will let me. Sometime I'm going to preach a message on the autopsy of Lot's wife. If we look at her hand. Amen. There's a lot there. And brother, she became salt. And then the two daughters that got out. They got their daddy drunk and, and slept with him and they became the head of the Moabites and Ammon. I'm talking about the devout, the angry enemies of God's people was their lineage. The only one as far as we know that's going to make it to heaven is Lot. I, brother, I would hate to think that I've lived my life with these little problems that I wouldn't listen to the man of God, Abram, or wouldn't listen to the divine leadership of the Lord and I let little things become large things until when I left I was leaving alone oh listen to me there's some little things in the Bible uh, that we need to be aware of and to be warned of little problems little touch uh, a little look a little city uh, that deceives uh, a little fox that destroys uh, and the song of Solomon chapter 2 uh, 
And in verse number 15, we read about a little fox spoiling the vine and ruining the harvest. What happens to those little grapes, Brother Jared, is the fox don't even care if he eats them all. He just wants to nibble on them. His desire is to ruin, to ravage, to wreck the vineyard that God has blessed one of his children in. And if we don't build the walls and if we don't stuff up the holes and mamas and daddies, you can raise your kids right and do the best you can by them. But it's going to take the grace of God to save them and put inside their heart where they no longer are your standards, but they become yours. But I don't think that we ought to just give them a long rope and let them hang themselves or throw them out to the wolves. I believe we ought to put a hedge about them and build a wall around the vineyard and build a watchtower and do our best, our Brother Dale, to snipe, amen, them little foxes that will spoil the grapes. Oh, listen to me tonight. There's some little things in the Bible. There's a little city that deceives. There's a little fox that destroys. Over in the book of Galatians in chapter 5, and verse number 9, it reminds me about a little sin that swells up. I remember talking to a little preacher. Uh, he, I say little because he was young in age and, and uh, he wasn't yet uh, uh, 17 and he had surrendered to preach and, and boy, he was growing in the Lord uh, and he got saved at about 12. And I remember when he got, he got saved at 12, God called him to preach uh, and, and then he began to get older and he began to mature by 18 and 19. Uh, there's things uh, that he hadn't yet surrendered. Now, I, I, y'all know I believe that you've got to recognize him as Lord and Savior. But listen, when you're 12 years old or when you're a young person and you get saved, there's some things that's not you've not yet dealt with. There's some things in your life that's not even come up yet. And so when you get a little older and you've surrendered your life and those little those little sins go to creeping in your mind, oh, I'm going to tell you what you ought to do. I present your body a living sacrifice. You don't have to get saved again. What you need to do is live a sanctified life and live a surrendered life and live a spirit-filled life. Oh, thank God. God help us to realize that there's danger in harboring little sin. And this little man said, preacher, I've got some issues. I said, you need to deal with them. You need to lay them on the altar. It's going to bother you. It's going to change the way you see things. I said the greatest joy about a young person getting saved is they don't open a bunch of doors because us it's waited two years and we've not yielded our life and we haven't got saved Brother Dale. We have to fight every day to keep all the doors shut that our old flesh opened up. Oh thank God for young people who get saved and surrender your life to service for the glory of God. Deal with that sin. Nip it in the bud. Cut it off when it's young. My grandpa used to say it like this. He'd say, son, we, we just got out there and weed-eated. And we just got out there and pulled all the weeds. And uh, I remember thinking, uh, Randy, that that garden that my daddy had right below Poppy Troy's, 
had to be the rockiest dirt on planet earth. It's like we planted rocks, Brother Dale, and he didn't want no rocks in his garden. Every day, Brother Michael, I'm picking up rocks. It wasn't until I got out of the house, Brother, that he told me, Brother Oliver, that when he was little, they had a garden up here, and they took all the rocks and threw them over the fence, right where we was having the garden. It ain't no wonder we had such a mess of rocks and weeds. And my grandpa said, son, it's rocky. Son, it's hot. Uh, Temptators, it's going to be good. Uh, That okra is going to be good. Uh, Them tomatoes is going to be good. Uh, uh, We've got to wait till it rains. Uh, I said, why? He said, because uh, if we'll get them weeds uh, before they get real big, uh, and it rains, uh, and the ground's soft, uh, we can pull the weeds up by the roots. Uh, I said, hallelujah. That's what's wrong with some people's life. Uh, They just pull them. Anytime you need to wait till the Holy Ghost reigns in your life and pull them little weeds out. It's a daily weeding. It's a daily process. God help us to nip it in the bud. You say, preacher, why? Because the Bible says in Galatians 5 and verse number 9 that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Am I right? Is that what your King James Bible says? Galatians 5, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, I know it's talking about the collective church. It's talking about that man in the church who claimed to be a brother and was committing a type of fornication that wasn't even named among the Gentiles. He told them, if you've got somebody claiming to be a brother, kick them out so I can deal with them so they can repent, be restored, and be brought back into fellowship. The context is uh, to keep the church pure, to keep the family of God pure. Hey, man, we've got to make sure that we deal with the living or it will live in the whole lump. I remember preaching in 1 Samuel and I'm looking at Eli and I'm looking at Hophni and Phinehas and Eli is the high priest and the Bible says his eyes got dim. The Bible says that the vision of God were sparse. They were scarce. The Bible tells us that the Bible says that his eyes were dim and ere the lamp of God went out. I mean the very daily duties that he is supposed to be doing and his children were supposed to be doing, he wasn't dealing with the sin and he wasn't fulfilling the duties because the Bible says that his two boys were children of Belial. They were bringing women in and, and committing ungodly acts in the temple. They were taking parts of the sacrifice that was supposed to be for God only. They were perverting worship. They were perverting walk and they were perverting the will of God. And because Eli wouldn't deal with sin, his, the house of God filled up with it. Oh, would to God that we'd have some men thunder again against the things of this world because a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Somebody say amen. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. In James chapter 3, verse 5, y'all know that famous chapter. In chapter 3 and verse number 5, there's a little tongue that destroys a little leaven defiles, and a little tongue that destroys. The Bible likens the tongue to a small helm that guides a big ship. It likens the tongue to a 
bridle that goes on uh, in a horse's mouth. And if you don't know anything about horses, that thing sits on the tongue gets back there in the teeth. It don't take but just a little pressure and a little bit of control in that tongue. You can tell that big old horse to go left or right. You can tell him to ease up on it, tell him to get up. You can pull back on it and tell him to whoa. He says, we can put a bit in a horse's mouth. We can put a ham on a ship. We can even tame whales. Oh, things in the ocean. You can make killer whales jump out of the water, splash everybody. You can take Take a whip and tame a lion and make him jump through a... But you can't tame, nor can anybody tame this wicked member in our mouth called a tongue. I remember when I first started pastoring and we got the church work here. A lady used to come to the old work. Amen. She was showed up one day. We're changing and reestablishing. Amen. God's letting us grow. And uh, they had told me about this lady, but I'd never found her. It's amazing, Brother Al. She said, they told me uh, that Miss Juanita, I'll just say her, her, what her first name was, Miss Juanita was shut in. Every time I went by her house, she was never there. It was amazing. The only place she was shut in <laughs> was from church. And it just so happened she could go everywhere anytime but Sunday. It's amazing. I wasn't going to take time to go see her on Sunday. Well, I was preaching on the birds of the Bible. I was preaching on the sparrow. I was preaching with the Lord's hip on the raven. I got to the eagle. Well, then I got to the vulture. And I said, the thing about a vulture is they always start circling when there's a stink down at the house of God. They always take, eat everything that's dead and go back and spit it up on everybody. And I'm telling y'all sure as I'm standing here God knows my heart in walked that woman for the first time and God spoke to my heart for I said you what I said I said there comes one now I said oh God hallelujah and she was she was she'd give my wife ten dollars and then talk about us like a dog she'd say preacher I love you and go home and tell, call everybody in the town God tried her and Alice tried to go to town council and get me run out of Landrum it's a Amazing if you just preach this Bible and try to warn people about leaven filling and swelling up the lump uh, uh, that they'll get mad at you. They'll hate you for telling the truth. Oh, but can I say today that lady didn't have a little tongue. She had a long tongue. It reached from here to 26. Say amen. I'm telling you, some folk, hey, one preacher friend of mine said, there's a lady in the church. He pastored, said, uh, uh, brother, I need to let Brother B.R. Lakin said, I need to lay my tongue on the altar. And he said, ma'am, I don't think we have enough space down here for you to put it on. I said, amen. Some people has got a long tongue, got a large tongue. But the Bible says, if you've just got a little tongue, we've all got a little tongue, and we can't tame it. Only the Holy Ghost can tame it. It'll take the God of heaven to tame your tongue. Better watch out. For the little things need to be warned of, a little tongue destroys. <laughs> if y'all know what I mean. It says this about the tongue. It is set on fire of hell. It's like a little fire. It's set on fire. Of course, it's set on fire of hell. You can take a cigarette butt and thump it out your window. I hope you don't. But if you do, if there's somebody here that does, you can start a fire that will wreck churches. 
burn down homes, kill lives. And that's exactly what a tongue will do. It will destroy homes. It will ruin churches. Boy, I feel like saying amen. Preach on, preacher. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all know that's right. Jesus amen himself. I just took time. Amen. I said, that's right. A little tongue will destroy churches. It'll divide homes. It'll ruin people's lives. Better watch out for them little things. Proverbs 6 verse 10 says this. A little sleep deducts. What does it deduct? Well, if you look over in Proverbs 6 and verse 10, you'll find out that the Bible says a little sleep will take away your worth. It will take away your wealth like a traveling man or someone who spends all of his money on traveling. Oh, hear me today. Hear me today. He said he's worried more about pleasure. He's worried more about pleasure. Hey, man, a little sleep deducts. Hey, thank God. Hey, thank God for just the right amount of sleep. Look, God don't like lazy. I don't like lazy. Hey, man, God don't like lazy. Do you realize in the Bible that the people that he always called were the busiest people and the people that done the most? They were tapped up by God to do more. Just think about Elisha. He's by, everybody's plowing and throwing over their rocks and throwing over their clods, and he's behind plowing with that tent. And the Bible says he sent the men of God, Elijah, to tap him on us. God likes working people. Look at them big fishermen. God likes working people. God used people that'll get busy for his kingdom. So a little sleep will deduct wealth and your worth and your work for the glory of God. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 26, a little faith detours your effectiveness. You remember he says, O ye of little faith. There they were on a boat. God told them they're going to the other side. God had told them that they're going to the other side. And instead of trusting they come to him and said, did you not care that we perished? And he said, oh ye of little faith. Oh, I'm telling you, if you'll just come clean with God and say, God, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Hey, man, God will increase your faith. And you know how faith gets increased? By hearing the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the word of God. As you meditate on the word, as you hear the preaching, as you glean words from the songbook, I'm gonna tell you what'll happen, brother. It'll begin to build faith. It'll fuel your faith. And faith will fuel your prayer. And prayer will fuel your purpose. And before you know it, you're walking in the power of God. I say hallelujah. Thank God for some faith. And I'll just say this. I'm just glad for a little bit of faith. But if we don't watch it, we use it like a crutch. And we'll say, uh, God, don't you care that we perish? We're in a mess right now. It looks like you don't know we're in a mess. I can tell you this. I hope everybody here, the message is that God's put on my heart. I hope we leave here tonight if we've not left in the past few services knowing that we can trust God. You can have faith in God. You can depend on God. You can't trust yourself. You can't trust other people. But don't let how they treat you determine how you treat them or others. You just have faith that God can. I wish somebody would say amen right there. Amen. A little iniquity. A little iniquity that will haunt you. 
I'm going to tell you what it'll do. If you don't watch it, it'll detour you. You remember over in the scripture and the book of Joshua, in the book, in the book of Joshua, chapter 22, verse 17. He's on his deathbed. He's giving that great speech. As for me and my house, hey, we're going to serve the Lord. Hey, see, I'll do what you want to do. You can serve them gods which you serve on the other side of the flood. You can serve them gods on this side. Remember that God drove out with the hornets. But as for me and my house, he said, I'm an old man and I'm not changing. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I like a man like that. He's going out right, brother. It ain't just what he used to stand for. And it's not just how he used to fight. He's going out right. And you know what he says? He reminds them of what Achan did back there. This is what he said in Joshua chapter 22 and verse 17. He says, little iniquity will haunt you. Little lust of Achan caused over 30-something men to die. 30-something widows because Achan wanted to steal from God. Silver and gold was already his. And he wanted to lust after the Babylonian garment. He got gold he never spent. He got silver he never spent. He got a wicked garment he never wore. He buried them, had the audacity to take them to his house, bury them under his bed, and then wonder why everybody's dying. Gave, had a chance to repent, but he would not repent. He caught them down to the tribes, got them down to the families. He had a chance to repent, would not repent. And eventually, he looked at Achan and said, Thou art the man. Why? And he went and dug under his, under his bed and found it. Can't you hear them, Brother Dale, now grabbing up Daddy's pants leg? Mama, Daddy, what'd you do? And they get stoned, every one of them. And they get burnt, every one of them. You see, the Bible tells us that sin's got to be paid for. And condemnation fell on Achan that day. And it changed the whole valley to Acre, where God brings judgment. But then we find in Hosea that God put a door of hope and salvation in that very valley. Face hope in Jesus, amen. Hey, there was condemnation that we all had to pay but at Calvary, he took our condemnation. Now there's no condemnation. Dave, man, I'm so glad I'm saved. There's a little iniquity. You better watch it. See, there's a brazen serpent. Just a little serpent. That became an idol. Y'all remember that serpent? That everybody that got bit, they took that brazen serpent, lifted it up on a pole, and all they had to do was look and live. It's a symbol on the ambulance and a rescue squad. Still a symbol of healing. Rod with a snake. Still a symbol. It, it don't say that they had to have 20-20 vision. They could have been blind as a bat. All they had to do was look and live. Oh, it didn't take a long look. Just took a little look. Somebody say, hey, all they had to do was look and they'd live. But what they, it was a picture of what Jesus, when he took our sin on himself, he became the serpent on the pole. He said, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He said, I will, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all. Oh, man, I'm so glad today that he was lifted up. Oh, hear me today. But that same serpent became an idol. Oh, listen to me. If you don't watch it, the blessings 
will become bigger to your heart and life than the God that gave them to you. It was the gold and the silver that God let them spoil Egypt with so that they might have it to serve and build those instruments in the tabernacle. It was that very gold that was they spoiled it and what was in their ears that they made golden calves. They worshiped the blessing more than the blesser. Oh God, help us today. We better get our eyes on this big God. Not on all these little mini blessings, but thank God for my blessings. Oh, hear me tonight. Little things you need to be warned about. Let me say there's some little things that you need to worship him about. Let me say quickly in 1 Samuel 2 and 19. Moreover, it's about Samuel's mama, Hannah, had prayed for this little, little child. Amen. And she said, oh God, if you'll give him, I'll give him back to you. And when he got to weaning age, she took him down there. And the Bible said every year she knew this, it was only a little coat. But what love expressed. In 1 Samuel 2 and 19, moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him year after year. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so glad today. God's love is infinite. God's love is everlasting. Hey, the Bible said it's infinite, John 15, 9. The Bible said it's everlasting, Jeremiah 31. The Bible said it's perfect, Galatians 2. The Bible said it's unchanging, John 13. The Bible said it's inseparable love. Uh, nothing can separate you. That's Romans chapter 8. It's constraining love. Paul said, the love of God constrains me, puts me in a straitjacket, helps me realize that I must live for the one who died for me. It's a constraining love. But thank God it's a commending love. He commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hey, that, that love, hey man, that coat represented love. And it was like it didn't matter how big he got. There was love that was going to surround him. And it don't matter how long you serve God. His love grows. And his grace grows. It's a never ending love. It's an everlasting love. I say, hey man, and the reality of it, you grow into knowing it according to Ephesians that you may know the breadth and length and depth and height. Thank God for the love of God. Hallelujah. It's just a little coat, but it demonstrated a lot of love. Thank God for some things to worship God about. Ain't you glad we got a coat? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Joseph was beloved and had a coat of many colors. We're beloved and got a white coat. I don't know what a soul looks like. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But according to Revelation, within the, and when he's talking to himself in churches, we find out we got a new name. We find out that we're going to be robed, amen, with white raiment. We're going to be robed. I don't know what a, I feel like my soul looks like me.
When the rapture takes place, my body's going to join my soul. If I don't go by the clouds and I go by the clods, amen, when the Lord comes back and the horn toots and I scoot, amen, when I go out of here like Superman without the leotards, amen, I'm going to have a white robe and it's going to fit me. It's going to be, I think my soul looks like me. I believe my soul is me. If I can pull it back and let you see, it's a whole lot prettier than I am. It's a whole lot purer than I am. And it's a whole lot more perfect than I am. But thank God one day that glorified, that, that soul is going to have a glorified body. And this vile body shall put on a glorious body. I say hallelujah. Until then, until then, I'll have me a coat of love. Amen. Hallelujah. Then when I get my body, I'll have a coat of love. Hey Amen. It was a little coat. But thank God y'all remember in 1 Kings 17, there was a little cake. But what blessing it brought. Y'all remember the story? I won't read preach it. Preached it not long ago. He said, make for me first. Make for me a little cake first and bring it to me. Oh, if we'll just put God first, Matthew 6, 33. If we'll just put our trust in God. God's promises are like this little cake. They're full of blessing and sweetness. Do y'all remember that when Elijah's over there and, and he's under the juniper tree and he's in a depressed state and he's longing to die and theologians like to explain that away. I think God puts that in there just to let us know when we get that low, that somebody else done been there. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, can I say tonight, thank you, Lord. Hey, when he, when the Bible says that God dispatched an angel and made him a cake. Hallelujah. I believe he might have made cornbread. Amen. I don't know if he's pentos, but I believe it might. I believe it tasted, amen, like a birthday cake. Hallelujah. Ain't God, he's fixing to have a new start. And then God made another. Hey, there's a little cake and a little cake first for God's man. He will come to bless your whole family. So it was a little cake. But oh, what a blessing. There's some little things in the Bible that we can be worshipful about. There was a little cloud. Y'all remember that in 1 Kings 18? Elijah's up there on top of, on top of the mountain. He's praying. And prayers that shut up heaven. And now he's praying that God open them back up. Y'all remember, boy, he ain't like a lot of Baptists. If he's like a lot of Baptists, told his servant to go look. And there wasn't no cloud. Brother Oliver, he just said, well, let's go on to the house. That ain't what happened. I remember reading in Glasgow, Scotland, they having a prayer meeting. Damn it, Brother uh, Guthrie, G-U-T-H-R-I-E, great writer, having a preacher, writer. He's down in his church having prayer for parts ground. All the farmers, the cows is dying, the, the land's dying. They're praying down at the church. They walk out the house, and one of his little girls says, here's your umbrella, Daddy. He looked at her and said, what's that for? Well, we're going to pray for rain. Don't you believe God will do it? <laughs> I say amen. It don't take but a little girl to give you just a little bit of faith and make you trust God. You better walk out of the house if you're playing with rain, praying for rain. You better have an umbrella. Say amen. I don't know how. I don't even know why. We went over to the hot dog ministry Monday without an umbrella. We've been praying for rain. Right there underneath that portico, all them people's lined up. Ken's preaching. Old preacher Ken Linder's preaching. Man, he's preaching, ain't he? 
He's naming it from, he's preaching on some things. He's preaching. I mean, that crowd's there. They're gathered up, fixing to go through, get their Bible, get their tracts, get their canned food, about to get their water, fixing to get their milk and their bologna, fixing to get them hot, hot dogs, homemade chili. Hey, man, hallelujah. And fixing to go through the line. And Brother Ken's a hammering, and we're shouting, and I'm getting some help. Hallelujah. And right in the midst of that, it starts pouring. Some old man had an umbrella. I went over and got that thing. I just held it. My pants leg got wet, but the hot dogs never got wet. Folks came right through there. We, you'd think nobody'd come. Downpour, torrential downpour, and we had people there, didn't we? Oh, it didn't happen. Just a few hot dogs left. I'm gonna tell you, if you hunger enough, a little rain won't keep you from. But I thought to myself, as much as we prayed for rain, we should have all had umbrellas. Old church, I'm saying today, Amen. A little cloud sometimes. Amen, we'll have a big blessing in it. A little cloud will have a big blessing. Y'all know the scripture. <laughs> the Bible said, he said, go look again. And he said this, behold, there ariseth <laughs> a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. He goes over there, Brother Jerry. Pete's off down there, looks out. He said, I see a little cloud. Now, why did he say, looks like a man's hand? Y'all don't have to agree with this, but y'all don't have no scripture against it. Amen. So you can't prove me wrong. Here's what I think. God just took his hand down off in the distance somewhere, picked up a bunch of water, took it up out of the clouds, brought it over top, and before they could get to the, before they could get to the palace, God had his hand on his man outrun a chariot, and before they could get there, the rain started coming down. I'm gonna tell you, thank God. Sometimes, brother, there's little hey, there's big blessings in little clouds. You say, preacher, it's cloudy in my life. How do I have not seen the sun? Can I remind you the song? Hey, man, it keeps your peanuts sing. Thank God above the clouds, the sun's still shining. I'm so glad today that a little cloud may have a big blessing. There's some little things that we can worship God about. I'll just say this quickly. There was a little coney. What wisdom he had. The conies are but feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rock. They're wise little builders building their homes in the rock. Then there was a little maid. Y'all remember that? She waited on Naaman's wife. Hey Amen. She could have got mad and, and that she was taken from her mom and daddy. She could have got mad that she was a prisoner of bondage. But instead she said, oh, that my master was back there in the land of it. There's a man of God back there. Hey Amen. A little maid had a little message that got a little man. I had to go back, thank God, and he got a big blessing out of it. These little things. I'm saying tonight, if you feel little, if if you feel like you're not alive, just remember the little lad with a little lunch that got put in the Lord's hand and they fed a lot. Just remember all the little things that God's blessed your life with. I say amen. Let me say this. These things in the Bible, things we need to be warned about. Things that we can worship God about. And things that make us scratch our head and wonder about. Here's just a few and all. I'll be done. 
God many times, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll say it like this. The reason for breaking is always blessing. God desires, uh, let me put it like this, you most of the time will not be blessed until you're first broke. Is it not broken ground that receives the seed and receives the water and gives life? Is it not broken bread? Thank God that God blesses and feeds a multitude. If you look back in, in people's life, uh, uh, Jacob uh, uh, was a man who had natural power. He was known to be a wrestler. He was known to, to always be scheming. Uh, but God broke Jacob of his own natural power before he could clothe him with spiritual power. He got broke in a wrestling match down at now at the river hey man all he could do was hold on and God hit him in the leg and he hot I'm saying he walked different from that day forth when God touches you you'll walk different and God had to break him of his natural power before God could bless him with supernatural power brother Edgar Thomas one of my heroes at Denny's restaurant in Forest City believe it or not God can show up at Denny's at about 11 o'clock. <laughs> Brother Edgar's preaching at Holly Springs. Brother Shane, I heard you got called to preach. I said, yes, sir. Brother Wade told him. He said, can I just tell you, you've been through some rough times in your life, but God will never really use you until he first breaks you. I thought I'd been broke. I remember one time, Brother Dale, when God got me to the bottom, I looked up toward heaven and said, why me? And God spoke to my heart and said, why not you? The only one that has the right to even say, why me, was Jesus. And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, Brother Dale, Three hours of darkness. The father hung a veil so that the world couldn't see Jesus' soul being made an offering. They could see his body being made, but they couldn't see his soul being made an offering. He hung a veil, turned the darkness, Egypt dark, turned the dark knob on, shut all the light. And you know what's the amazing thing to me? While Jesus is renting the veil, God hung a veil. God, oh, I get excited about the Bible. Amen. Hey, brother, brother, brother Dwayne, God the Father hung the veil, turned the light out, and Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Breaking while that's in the Bible. He started out the first saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. I believe, Brother Oliver, he may have started that back at the scourging pole. But I think he did it the whole time until he said the second saying, I don't know for sure. But I know for a fact he did say, my God. He did say, my uh, Father, forgive them for they don't know what to do. Then he said, when the darkness 
My God, my God. Why hast thou We know for a fact that God had to forsake his son so you and I would never be forsaken. He became thirsty so we could have our thirst quenched. We know without a doubt that he became sin. Our sin wouldn't just put on him. Not according to 2 Corinthians 5. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the right. He became every curse word, every wicked thought. He became every bit of it. We know he did because now he's addressing him. My God, my God. But we know that the debt is paid. That reconciliation is made. Because the last thing he says, Father, <laughs> the relationship's back. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. It is fit. And he gave up the God. I say hallelujah. Thank God we know for a fact in the darkness he had the right. Sin was placed upon him. Boy, sometimes, brother, we'll get so beat up. We'll get so broke down in our life. We'll think we have the right to say, God, my God. I don't think there's nothing wrong with asking God questions. But the problem is, is when you question his sovereignty. You might, you might question why he's doing it. You might question why he's doing it, how he's doing it. But one thing you ought to never question, you ought to trust in the sovereignty of God, that he's got it under control, that God knows best. Hallelujah. Sometimes God's got to break us physically so he can bless us supernaturally and spiritually. Y'all remember, he broke the surface of the rock so he could put Moses in it. Y'all remember that? Moses got to see the glory because he got down in the cleft of the rock. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all remember 300 elect soldiers down there at Gideon, they had to break their pitchers. Amen. That's a type uh, that picture, that earthen vessel is a type of us being broke so that God's light can shine through us. And the victory was won when they broke the vessels. Amen. God allowed a widow to break the seal on oil and God took care of all her debt. God used Esther to break the rigid etiquette, amen, of the Gentile heathen court so that she might secure the life and freedom of her people. Jesus took five loaves and five little sardines and two hush puppies, amen, five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Mary broke the alabaster box so she could worship. There's broken nets. Y'all have heard me say it that I believe the church is like a net where a bunch of zeros that's been knotted together and God can even catch fish with broke nets, Luke chapter 5. I've never caught a fish with a broke net. You'll lose a fish with a broke net. He caught so much with a broke net that the boat couldn't handle it. You say, preacher, I'm broken. I preacher, I'm beat up. I preacher, I'm little. Preacher, I'm nothing. I've allowed little things to get big on me. I've looked. I've lingered. I've lived with it. I've almost left my testimony back yonder. Preacher, I'm nothing. Oh, but little as much when God is in it. And there's some blessings, amen, from little things. According to 1 John, there's some warning about some things. But God can even use little things. He can use broken things. In fact, that's what God does. He breaks the sinner. We are poor in spirit. We're broken. Y'all remember this? 
when that ship, Paul shipwreck, that ship got on the shore. Y'all remember it was broken up? And they, some of them made it to shore on broken boards. Hey, can I say it like this? Hey, man, you might have been broken particularly. You might have been broken individually. I think about Samson. Samson, he had laid his head in the lap of Delilah too long. But he got binded, and he got blinded, and he got broke. And in his death, after he was broke, he killed more in his death than he ever did in his life. I, if he would have just let God break him before, instead of being so halting, high and mighty, and thinking he could get away with sin one, two, three, even four times, but God broke him. And when God broke him, God blessed him to kill more of the enemies of God. Oh, I'm telling you, God must have broken things. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You can be happy. You can be full of joy. You can be blessed if you'll just get broken. And I think about Jeremiah 31, verse number 3. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. See if you can break up and repent of it. I wonder tonight, heads bowed. Some of us, over at 1 John 2, we've 